You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Thou swell, thou witty, thou sweet, thou gray, would kiss me pretty, would hold my hand. Both thine eyes are cute to what they do to me. Hear me holler, I choose a sweet lalapalooza in thee. I feel so rich in a hut for two, two rooms, a kitchen, I'm sure would do. Give me not a lot of, just a plot of land. And thou swell, thou witty, thou grand. Hello to you all, and a very Merry Christmas to you and all who cohabit with you. Such a privilege to be with you at this time of year. Hope your turkeys are stuffed and ready, that your eggs are all nogged, that your pigs have been safely tucked up in their blankets. Most of all, I do hope you've had a good year. Personally, it's been quite a year. The secret history of Hollywood has grown into a behemoth, and more than ever, you wonderful people have been liking and recommending and reviewing, etc., etc. So let me please take this opportunity to thank you all for making 2015 a superb one for me. So anyway... Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without Bing Crosby. Did you know that Bing Crosby's tapes, records, CDs, downloads, whatever, have been bought over a billion times since he began his career? Take that, Robin Thicke. So anyway, Bing, take it away on the 12 days of Christmas. All together now. A five gold rings. On the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love sent to me three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me five gold five rings, golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me six geese a laying. Five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love sent to me seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five gold rings, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle 
and a partridge in a pear tree. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five gold rings, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me nine ladies dancing, eight maids a milking, seven, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five gold five rings, golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me ten lords a leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five gold rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. I sent eleven pipers piping. Ten lords a leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five gold five rings, golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me twelve drummers drumming, eleven pipers piping. Ten lords a leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids a milking, seven swans a swimming, six geese a laying, five gold rings, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree, and a partridge in a pear tree. Hey everyone, I'm Malcolm, and I'm Justin. And we're here broadcasting APOC Radio today from Wells Point, Washington. We're hoping our signal's reaching you if you're out there. To all of you out there that are feeling lonely tonight and missing the Christmas spirit, just know you're not alone and we're with you. So crack open a can of dog food and warm yourself by a burning barrel and, and listen to our signal. If you're out there, keep surviving. And Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you, Malcolm and Justin, from the APOC Radio podcast. Incidentally... I am appearing on their Christmas special as the narrator, so do go on over to www.apocgraffiti.com or search for Apoc Radio in iTunes to hear that. So, they say never work with children or animals. This year, a million and a half Christmas trees rolled out of New Brunswick for all parts of Canada and the United States. Tied to one of the trees was a letter to Santa Claus. It was written by 11-year-old Villa Matchett of Chatham, New Brunswick. And it said that she was very poor and would like a doll for Christmas and some money. I think that's pretty much what I wished for this Christmas. Now from CHSJ in St. John, Villa Matchett is interviewed by Ian Sklanders. Because of this letter, Villa is going to have the most wonderful Christmas of any small girl in Canada. Isn't that right, Villa? Villa? Yes, that's right. Where did the tree with your letter go? It went way down south in Natchez, Mississippi. And what happened to it there, Villa? It was one of the thousand trees that went to a big store. The store manager found my letter and took it to the Natchez radio station, and Santa Claus broadcast it with with a lot of other letters. Such a natural-sounding conversation. When you wrote your letter, did you ever expect to hear from it again? No, I guess I didn't. I just ho- hoped I would. Uh, what was the first you did hear of it, Villa? 
This part's very exciting. One morning, a reporter came to the house and asked my mommy if I had tied a letter to a Christmas tree. She said she didn't know, but when I came in, she asked me. I said I did. I had. Told you. What was the next you heard of it, Villain? Letters started coming in from all over the states. Did most of them have money in them? Yes, they did. Uh, what was the largest amount you received, Villa? Twenty-five dollars. And what was the smallest? Ten cents. Cheapskate. Uh, who was the ten cents from? Yes, we'd like to publicly shame this person for you, Villa. From an old lady in Missouri. Villa, I heard an old millionaire in Texas wrote and said he would buy you whatever you wanted from now on. Yes, he did. He said he used to have a little girl eleven, but she was a grown woman now, and he liked to look after me. Ugh. Uh, have many presents been sent you besides money, Villa? Yes, a lot. Dolls, candy, toys, and all sorts of things. She's already spent it on gin, hasn't she? And they tell me the good people of Natchez, Mississippi, have asked you to travel south at their expense to be their guest of honor at the annual Natchez pilgrimage celebration. That's right. And that... And they want me to stay on a southern plantation and everything. That's wonderful. Uh, tell us how you got from Chatham to St. John today, Villa. That was another Christmas present. Bathurst Air Service flew me down in a special plane so I could make this broadcast. Was this your first flight, Villa? This 150 miles from yes, the north to the south of New Brunswick? Yes, it was. Did you like it? I certainly did. And who was your pilot? Harvey Babin. He's a great pilot, too, isn't he? He was in the RCAF during the war. Uh, Bella, what are you going to do with all the money people have been sending you? I'm going to save it for my education so I can be a nurse when I grow up. Well, thank you very much, Bella, and I'm sure you'll have a marvelous Christmas. Come on, Villa. Throw Ian Sklanders a bone here. Uh, this has been Ian Sklanders reporting from CHSJ in St. John. Oh, there's no place like home for the holiday. Cause no matter how far away you roam, when you pine for the sunshine of a friendly gaze, for the holidays you can't beat home sweet home. I met a man who lives in Tennessee And he was heading for Pennsylvania And some homemade pumpkin pie From Pennsylvania folks are traveling Down to Dixie's sunny shore From Atlantic to Pacific Gee, the traffic is terrific Oh, there's no place like home for the holiday Cause no matter how far away you roam If you want to be happy in a million ways For the holidays you can't be home sweet home Oh, there's no place like home for the Yeah.
a man who lives in Tennessee, and he was heading for Pennsylvania and some homemade pumpkin pie. From Pennsylvania, folks are traveling down to Dixie's sunny shore. From Atlantic to Pacific, gee, the traffic is terrific. Oh, there's no place like home for the holiday. Cause no matter how far away you roam, if you want to be happy in a million ways, for the holidays you can't beat home sweet home. For the holidays you can't beat home sweet home. Hello, fellow Attaboy Clarence listeners. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Bethann at Spellbound by Movies. Hi, Adam. Sparky right here. Just wishing you, your family, and all your listeners a very merry and safe Christmas. Thank you to Beth Ann from the excellent Spellbound by Movies website. And thank you to Sparky Wright. What? No song this year? Of course there is. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. All around is a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner... Someone give this man a backing track. All together now. Silver bells, silver bells. It's Christmas time in the city. Ring-a-ding Hear them sing Soon it will be Christmas Day Beautiful work there, Sparky Right, Mon frere, mon ami, and I believe one of mon very first subscribers. Thank you, sir. As a reward, please accept these five golden rings. Five golden rings! <laughs> On to some festive entertainment for you. For all you kids at heart, here's a treat. Christmas throughout my childhood meant waking up as early as you could and scrambling downstairs to open presents, then watching Disney films while the smells of Christmas dinner floated around the place. Well, it gives me great pleasure to present a very Disney Christmas celebration for you now. Please allow me to introduce Walt Disney himself, along with some very special guests, in a Yuletide radio gift package from the Hall of Fame show. I'll see you in a little while. The Hall of Fame, presented by Heinz Honey and Almond Cream. Tonight, the Hall of Fame brings you Walt Disney and his gang. Yes, they're all here. Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Hello. The Three Little Pigs. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Pluto the Pup. Clara Cluck. Donald Duck. And all the others. And now, it is my privilege to introduce the personality behind all of the world-beloved Mickey Mouse and Silly Symphony. Ladies and gentlemen, Walt Disney. 
That's enough. Whoa! Thanks, gang. Hello, everybody. How'd you like to be the father of my family at Christmas time? I mean, did you ever try to pick out a Christmas necktie for a horse? Or rubber boots for a young duck? <laughs> Don't worry, Donald. You'll get your boots. <laughs> Bless his heart. Well, we'll hear from him later in the program. <laughs> oh, Donald. Nice, not yet. Nice little fellow. Now, our program tonight is to be a surprise party. It's the gang's Christmas present for... Donald, put it down. I told you not to bring that pop gun to the studio. Yes, you, and don't point it at people. <laughs> boys will be boys. Yes, the gang has gotten up the entire program by themselves. They've named it, quite appropriately, the Christmas stocking. And each one of them has put a surprise for us, Donald, in the stock. Don put it down. <laughs> Donald, don't point that gun at Clara Clark. <laughs> Why, if it went off accidentally, you'd, you'd hit her. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> Give it to him, Clara. <laughs> you bet she wants a fight. Sing him, Clara. <laughs> Let him up, Clara. You win. That's enough. <laughs> you, you got just what you deserve. Shame on you. And if you hit anyone else with that gun, I'll break it right over my knee. Yes. Donald, give me that gun. Give it here. So you don't think I meant it. Well, I'll show you. There, let that be a lesson to you. And from now on, I want you to be a good duck. Say, Mr. Disney to you, Donald. Donald. And now, Miss Minnie Mouse will take the first surprise from our Christmas stock. Here she is. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Minnie, I hear you have a big surprise for us in the Christmas stocking. Uh-huh. Open your mouth and shut your eyes. Oh, no, not with Donald in the studio. Just tell us what the big surprise is. <laughs> it's my two little birds, Jenny Wren and Cock Robin. Are they going to sing for us? Uh-huh. <laughs> Minnie's going to play the violin while her two birds, Cock Robin and Jenny Wren, sing the love duet from their new silly symphony, Who Killed Cock Robin? And I might mention that this is our first mystery thriller. We defy you to guess who killed him. In fact, if you even suspect who killed Cock Robin, we'll give you, well, we'll give you Donald Duck. All ready, Minnie? Uh-huh. Wait till I give my birds a tip. Sound your right, Jenny, then. Oh, no, no. Higher, Jenny, higher. <laughs> That's right, precious. Come on, Cock Robin. Hop up on Minnie's violin. Get your pit. Listen. Oh, that's perfect. All right. Minnie, I'm sure your little birds will be a sensation on the screen. Oh, thank you, Walt. 
And while we're on the subject of pictures, I suppose you know that from now on, all of Mickey's pictures will be in Technicolor. <laughs> and will Mickey's pants be red? Yes, indeed. <laughs> surprise, surprise. We've got a surprise for you, Mr. Disney. Well, my three little pigs, I thought you'd gone home. <laughs> we just went across the street to get a soda. <laughs> We've been listening to the program. Have you? How am I doing? That's our surprise. You're simply too awful. <laughs> Same old silly pigs, always clowning. <laughs> well, pigs, now that you're here... Oh, Donald, please. Oh, Donald, I should said no. Give me that cowbell. Well, pigs, what have you got to say for yourself? Merry Christmas, everybody. And a busy and prosperous New Year. Uh, yes, sir. Pigs, this is the time of the year we forgive our enemies. I want you to call the big bad wolf on the phone and wish him a Merry Christmas. I wouldn't feel safe unless it was a long-distance call, sir. No, no, that's not the Christmas spirit. The poor wolf is down and out, friendless, and he's hungry. Uh-oh! What's more, the big wolf, or the big bad wolf, is a fellow actor. He's always given the best he had to the cause of drama. Oh, drama! What big eyes you've got! <laughs> I'm serious about this, Pig. Really, I am. I'll dial his number, and you wish him a Merry Christmas. Hello? Hello? Hello?
it's uh, oh boy, Clarence's Christmas special. Um, oh wow, nice. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. To, big thank you to Adam for keep producing amazing shows, and and we wish you from Weekly Geek Speak. We wish you all a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We don't have we to. We wish that, you a Merry Christmas. Uh, no, we wish you we, a Merry. He Christmas. already wished. We it. wish you a Merry Christmas. He literally and a up. happy. What? Steve, think of another one. We did this last year. Uh, hark the herald angels sing the, glory <laughs> to the newborn king. Carols are so dreary, aren't they? <laughs> I don't even know if that was... Well, have you ever met a carol? They're all dreary. They're all awful people. You never get a bubbly carol. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thank you, fellas. And I would just like to say to all the carols out there that the carol-related views of Weekly Geek Speak are in no way endorsed by this show. As compensation, please accept five gold rings. Five gold rings! Looking for that elusive last gift for your loved one? Well, look no further than the new album from Hamfway, taking the hits of this year and giving them new life. But one needs to tell one something. One really, 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 really likes one. And one wants one, does one want one, does one want one too. One really, 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 really likes one. And one wants one, does one want one, does one want one too. One who worship like a door, shrine of one's life. One who tell one's sin so one can sharpen one's knife. What be that deathless death? Good God, let one keep through one's life. It's been a long day without one, my friend. And one'll tell one all about it when one sees one again. Damn, who knew all the planes we flew? Good things we've been through. That I'd be standing right here talking to one. What does one mean? When one nods one head yes, but one wants to say no, what does one mean? Bob Marley once said one good thing about music. When it hits you, you feel no pain. Well, prepare to have that proverb disproved. Everyone's running out of time. What does one mean? The hits of 2015 by Humphrey. Buy it now for people you hate. What does one mean? From Kentucky, this is Bill Davis wishing the Attaboy Clarence podcast a very merry Christmas. Hi, this is Scott, ex-host of Good Podcasts and currently podcaster without portfolio, sending a Christmas Canterbury, Canterbury to wish a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all the listeners of the Attaboy Clarence podcast. I'm sure we'll all join together in raising a glass to Adam for making this wonderful show. Cheers. Merry Christmas, have a very 
very Merry Christmas. Dream about your heart's desire. Christmas Eve, when you retire, Santa Claus will stop, and I know he'll drop exactly what you wanted from your chimney top. So be jolly, have a holiday as gay as holly. May the ones you love be near you With the laugh of friends to cheer you When the church bells ring like the angels sing And you hear the joyful hymn they chime Hang a wish from me on your Christmas for a very merry Christmas time. Judy Garland there with the wonderful Merry Christmas from 1949 in the good old summertime. Magical stuff. Well, cast your ears back to the first Secret History of Hollywood episode, The Game is Afoot, where I openly declared my adoration for the Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce series of Sherlock Holmes films. For those of you that have listened to the show, you will know that they made 14 films together, as well as many, many radio appearances in the role. In fact, I played you a Christmas adventure they shared on last year's Christmas special. Well, unbeknown to me, they once swapped roles. That's right, for one night only on the Command Performance Show, Basil Rathbone played Watson and Nigel Bruce took on Holmes. So for all you fans, and I know that there are lots of you, I hereby present this very brief treasure for your entertainment, and thank you to Cormac, who pointed me towards it. Here's a letter from Mr. D. McGee of Kansas City, Missouri. He says, I heard you say on your program that you can turn the tables on people. How about doing a Sherlock Holmes story where Dr. Watson and Sherlock Holmes switch parts? Can we do it, Dick? Can we do it? Don't forget, Junie, that as Richard Rogue, I'm an active member of the exalted and distinguished fraternity of radio detectives. Well, give. The first thing to do is ask the man who plays the role of Sherlock Holmes. Basil Rathbone. I'll be delighted to assist in answering uh, Mr. McGee's request, if it's all right with Dr. Watson. Well, what about it, Nigel Bruce? I say, you mean I'm to play Sherlock Holmes and solve the crime and get the girl and all that sort of thing? That's right, and Basil Rathbone will play Dr. Watson. (laughs) I say, this ought to be a jolly bit of fun, jolly. Uh, Basil... May I borrow your pipe and your hound's tooth jacket? Certainly, and here's my dear stalker hat. Fine, I'll, I'll slip it on. There. How do I look in this dear stalker? Very nice, but uh, tilt it down a bit over your left antler. <laughs> there we are, like this. That's fine, old boy. Music, old boy. <laughs> Well, here I am in my lodgings in Baker Street with my good friend Dr. Watson beside me. Splendid characterization so far. <laughs> well, here we go again. 
I say, Watson, hand me my magnifying glass. Well, magnifying glass. What in the world are you doing? I'm playing Dr. Watson. But, uh, what are you saying? I don't know. <laughs> what have you been saying all these years? <laughs> what a pity, my dear Watson, we don't have a fascinating crime to solve. Yes, it's a pity. It's a great... <laughs> pity. I think someone has been murdered. Amazing, Holmes. How, how, how did you arrive at that deduction? Elementary, my dear Watson, if you will just open that door, you will find the mortal remains of a plumpish woman of 48 with graying hair, hazel eyes, pale complexion, a blue dress, and a pink hat. Well, I'll open the door. Good gracious, for once, Holmes, you're wrong. Wrong? Well, it's a red hat. There is only one thing to do. I'll reconstruct the crime. Watson, old fellow, just place yourself outside the door, exactly where the corpse was standing. Very well. <laughs> now, I shall close the door. <laughs> just as I thought. Dead. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> I say that. That's splendid. Now I can play Sherlock Holmes all the time. <laughs> What blows in here, Joes? A big pardon? Well, how come L. Rathbone is so horizontal? I don't quite follow you, old boy. Look, I'm a detective on the radio, too. What are you two squares up to? I was recreating a, a, a crime in order to solve it. Oh, Jenny, dear. You've got bats in your badges, boys. Recreating the crime, got to go by with a bustle. Got to go by? Sure, that went out with button shoes. You're singing a tune from Saskatoon. Oh, really? Saskatoon? Tell me, old chap, uh, what's your name? Richard Rogue, private eye, and detective extraordinary. If some ace wants to dip a Betsy in your medulla, just ring Rogue. Well, why should anybody want to Betsy my medulla? <laughs> well, you can never tell when some con you've helped can me bust out of the poke and try to stash your shove in your chubby pink and white. My dear fellow, I am convinced that you'll go every bit as far in radio as I have. What makes you think so? Nobody can understand you either. <laughs> Happy Christmas, everyone, from the Horties, especially to our children, Darius and Caitlin, Grandpa Dave, who lives with us, my sister Yvonne and her children and husband, Tony, and especially for my dad, who lost his wife, my mum, six weeks ago. It'll be tough, but she loved Christmas, and we look forward to it anyway. Happy Christmas to you, Adam, and your family, and look forward to more podcasts in the future. met a little fellow with a letter in his hand. He asked me if I'd post it in the box for Fairyland. I slipped it in the mailbox for that little curly head. It seemed to make him very happy as he smiled and said, I'm sending a letter to Santa Claus, a letter I hope he'll receive. Oh, I wonder if he 
He'll get a lot of letters for playthings from other girls and boys. But I want my soldier daddy. He's better than all the toys. And so I'm sending a letter to Santa Claus to bring daddy safely home to me. I listened to his story and my eyes held back a tear As I recall that Christmas of a bygone happy year That little boy was smiling as he said goodbye to me He scampered off and left me with a golden memory I'm sending a letter to Santa Claus, a letter I hope he'll receive. Oh, I wonder if he will please remember me when he calls on Christmas Eve. He'll get a lot of letters for playthings. From other girls and boys But I want my soldier daddy He's better than all the toys And so I'm sending a letter To Santa Claus To bring daddy safely home Yes, I am afraid that I have now inflicted Arthur Askey upon you twice this year, although I'm sure you'll agree that was a lot more pleasant than having him smother you with puns. Over to a very breathless yuletide greeting from the inimitable Miss Spanky Spangler. Hello, Spanky Spangler here from the same coin film show, 60 Minutes With and the 80s Picture House. Oh, I'm such a busy girl, but I'd like to take a minute to wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. And I hope Santa brings you lots and lots of lovely presents, like champagne and diamond tiaras and a lovely big fur coat. Mm. And for any Welsh listeners out there, I'd like to say Nagdolly Llawen. Good heavens, my glasses are all steamed up after that. You all go and listen to a very special Christmas edition of 20 Questions, featuring Santa Claus himself, and I'll rifle through my desk for a microfiber cloth. Mutual, the world's largest network with more than 500 stations from coast to coast, presents that absolutely unrehearsed animal, vegetable, or mineral game, 20 Questions. And here's your man about questions, Bill Slater. questions. Very briefly, this is the way we play the game of 20 questions. You listeners send in subjects for our experts here to identify by asking me not more than 20 questions. Now, if your subject is used on this program, you'll receive a beautiful, perfectly tailored crocodile pocket wallet through the courtesy of the Mark Cross Shop of Fifth Avenue, New York. 
But if our questioners do not get your subject in 20 questions, and sometimes they don't, you know, you win instead a grand prize, an exclusive traveling bag fashioned by Mark Cross. And so that you friends of ours at home there will always know what our experts are trying to guess, our mystery voice will tell you what the subject is. A poster informs our studio guests. Naturally, we're not going to tell our questioners. Who are Fred Van Deventer, famous news analyst, Florence Renard, talented musician, Herb Palazzi, radio and motion picture producer, Johnny McPhee, our teenage student, and our special guest is the most popular man in the world tonight, Santa Claus! Fine. Oh, that's wonderful. Hello, Johnny. How's everything at school? That's wonderful. My mother-in-law has gone over the rooftops on her broom. <laughs> <laughs> was that what I passed over Alaska? That was it. Oh, speaking of Alaska, Bill, I want to tell you I had to come around that way down here, and when I told them I was coming down to be in on 20 questions, they said we'll all be listening. Way up in Alaska, they're all listening. Up there in their igloos. Right, sir. Right, sir. <laughs> in their igloos. You're busy this year, Santa? Oh, this has been a terribly, terribly busy year, Bill. A lot of good boys and girls this oh, year. Oh, huh? the boys and girls this year are passing all records. And so are some of the parents. <laughs> you like to play uh, 20 questions with us a little while, Santa Claus, and sort I'd of relax Drew. a little bit? I'd love to. Okay, let's get I going. I was watching your television the other night, and you were all wonderful. Well, we all thank you, Santa Claus. I hope you'll remember that to come Christmas Eve. I certainly will. Well, thank you. We've got to get in good with him. Our first 20 questions subject of the evening was sent to us by Ellen Graham, who lives in McPherson, Texas. And because we're using it, she gets one of those beautiful, perfectly tailored crocodile wallets from the Mark Cross people on Stylish Fifth Avenue here in New York. This subject's an interesting one, and it's animal. This is the 20 questions mystery voice offstage in a soundproof room where the panel can't possibly hear me. Tonight's first subject is the hero of a very popular song. It's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mystery Voice has told our friends at home, let the studio audience see it, Miss Shepard. So we all know what it is except you five. See if you can get it. Van? Is it a whole animal? It's a whole animal. Florence? A human being? No. John? Four-footed your... animal? It's a four-footed animal. Right. Herb? Is it a fur-bearing animal? Uh, I think it... Outer coating could be used for fur. Florence? Would it be of the deer family? It would be of that family. Would it be one of Santa Claus's reindeers? Uh, one of the half dozen? Mm-hmm. No. Eight. Santa? Would it be a little old Rudolph? It would be Santa Claus. <laughs> I'll tell you, Rudolph's nose is no redder than Santa's, though. No, it's quite red. Do you know, Santa, how Rudolph's nose got so red? Why, uh, there are many, many stories about that, Bill. What's yours before I tell you mine? <laughs> <laughs> well, Santa, I don't nose. You don't nose? I don't nose. Well, your nose nose. Your nose nose? Well, maybe they just called him Rudy for short, and that switched into Ruddy, and Ruddy means red, and maybe maybe it came about that way. I don't know. Well, I thought it was because he was so inquisitive when he was a little fellow, he was always sticking his nose out the door, and he got nipped, you know, by the cold, cold Alaska weather. Oh, yes. Is that the way you got your nose so red, too, Sam? Well, it certainly has something to do flying down through those clouds and that atmosphere. <laughs> Hold up there, you know. Oh, I bet it is. Well, you're pretty hot, however, here on 20 Questions, Santa Claus, knocking that one off in such a hurry. Oh, that was Florence's good building up for me there. <laughs> she, she put it in the right family. All right, now let's see what you do with this one here. 
Martin Hagland of Venice, California, is going to find in his mail a perfectly tailored crocodile wallet from Mark Cross in New York. The subject is vegetable. This subject is one of those things you get for not being careful about where you park your car. That's right. It's a parking ticket. Now that they know at home, let the audience see the subject so that they'll know what it is, too. Did you say vegetable? Uh... Yes, I did, Van. And you can tell by the reaction from the audience this is going to be a rugged one. Go ahead, Van. Is a wood or a wood product? Yeah. Johnny? Is this made of paper? Yes, a form thereof. Van? Does it have any printing on it? Yes. Yes. Florence? Is it just one sheet of paper, one piece of paper, or whatever it is? No, there are a lot of these things. No, but what I mean is, what we're after, is it on one sheet, even though there are a lot of them? Oh, yes. Charge for both of them. What was that last question? One, no, if if the thing you're after was all on one sheet or whatnot. Johnny? Is it generally folded once over? Like well, a Christmas card. <laughs> oh, I don't know how this is generally handled. I don't think it's more often folded once over than not. Let's not charge him for that, Gary. I didn't tell him anything. Van? Is this a uh, paper that has anything, uh, any particular significance for Christmas? No, it has no... <laughs> it has no particular Christmas significance. You have now used six questions. You have 14 left. John? Does it have a very direct... Uh, connection with financial transactions. Well, I should say fairly direct, uh, Johnny. Herb? Is it a legal piece of paper in any sense? Yes, it's legal. That's Johnny? Right. Do you write on it yourself? No. You don't. Santa Claus? Can you uh, pay for Christmas presents with this legal tender, shall we say? You can't buy Christmas presents with this, Santa Claus, old boy. No. Florence? Well, is it any kind of a traffic violation ticket or something like that? Yes. A traffic ticket? Parking ticket? A what? Uh, The last thing you said. Hmm? Parking ticket? Right. That is exactly it. I hope you're not speaking so knowingly from experience, Florence. Well, after they put parking meters in Princeton, I've had little experience yet. <laughs> what you laughing about? I Santa? never have that trouble. I just leave them right up there. That <laughs> <laughs> a boy. You're All a right, skywriter. Mrs. Nellie Weatherby of Eureka, California, submitted our next quickie. See what you can do with this one. This one's mineral. The North Pole. Okay, let them see it. All right, panel, on your mark, get set, go. John? Is this got a Santa in it? No. Van? Is it manufactured? No. Herb? Is it some kind of snow by any chance? Well, that's part of it. Van? Wouldn't be the North Pole. Would be! (laughs) Our next quickie is for Mrs. M. Mora, who lives in New Orleans, Louisiana, and this one also is animal. Santa's reindeer. All right, let them see it here. They know at home. Try it. On your mark, get set, go. John. Human? Nope. Herb? Are these reindeer? Yep. Santa's eight reindeer? Yep, Santa's reindeer. <laughs> this is a good fellow to have in your corner tonight. I'm going to slow you down now. Our next quickie comes from Carl W. Rock of Davenport, Iowa, and it's mineral. A chimney. All right, let him see it. On your mark, panel, get set, go. Van? Is this snow? No. Is it manufactured? Yeah, in a sense. Johnny? No. No. Is it a... (laughs) (laughs) He's such a habit. Florence? Is it in the night before Christmas? Oh, mentioned, but... Is it a building? It's partly. Johnny? Is is it igloos? No, no. No. Snow huts? Is it part part of a building? Yep. 
Is it a window? A chimney. A chimney, Santa, of course. Questions. Thanks a lot to you, Santa Claus, for dropping in on us tonight. A happy Christmas to you, sir. Now, friends, we'll be back this way again next week, so be sure to send in your 20 questions subjects. You just mail your subjects, one to a postcard, please, to 20 questions, post office box 142, New York 46, New York. All selections will be made by our judges, and in case of similarity or duplication, the one bearing the earliest postmark will be chosen. All entries become our property. 20 Questions is brought to you by the world's largest network, serving more than 500 stations from coast to coast. Tune in again next week when Fred Van Deventer, Florence Renard, Herb Palazzi, Johnny McPhee, and our guest star try to identify the subjects you submit. Now, this is Bill Slater speaking for all of us here on 20 Questions, wishing all of you at home there a very merry, merry Christmas and a happy new year, and saying good night now for 20 Questions. Grindhouse Dave here, wishing Adam, his family, and all my fellow listeners of Attaboy Clarence, The Secret History of Hollywood, a happy, happy, Happy and fantastic Christmas. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. And a happy, happy, happy Canterbury to you, Dave, from the Brighton Strangler. For yourself and your family, a very happy Christmas. Evening, everyone. I'm Caroline Fulford from the Loose Cannon Podcast, wishing you all a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays here from Brooklyn. I'm especially thankful for Adam for making his wonderful shows, and to everyone who's shown such lovely support for my own baby show, Loose Cannon, the show where I and a guest go over a movie that they love for personal rather than critical reasons. Christmas is a wonderful time for that sort of thing. This year, I wish you all a healthy dose of sentimentality with your Christmas movies. Thank you, Caroline. And speaking of sentimental Christmas movies, let's take a trip on over to the Screen Guild Theatre for an adaptation of one of the greats by way of a very special guest who's come all the way from his home in the shadows to be with us tonight. And And so Jack, from Down These Mean Streets podcast, it's over to you. Happy holidays, radio fans, and thanks to Adam for the opportunity to introduce this old-time radio show. I'll leave it to him to tell you about Holiday Inn, but I wanted to share some details and history about the program itself, the Screen Guild Theater. Now, during the golden age of radio, there were several shows that presented radio adaptations of movies. The Lux Radio Theater, Academy Award, and Screen Director's Playhouse are just a few of them. But Screen Guild Theater was unique and that the money that ordinarily would have been paid to studios and actors instead went to the Motion Picture Relief Fund. The fund was founded in 1921 to take care of those in the movie industry with limited or no resources. Beginning in the 1930s, studios asked workers earning over $200 a week to pledge one-half of 1% of their wages to the fund. The Screen Guild Theater was created as a way to supplement the money going towards the fund, The show premiered on January 8, 1939, and the first episode featured an all-star cast including Joan Crawford, Judy Garland, and Jack Benny. The series aired on radio for 13 years, and it raised $5.3 million for the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Some of that money went to build the Motion Picture and Television Country House and Hospital, which today still provides services for members of the film and TV industries. When the series premiered in 1939, it was sponsored by Gulf Oil, and it aired as the Gulf Screen Guild Theater. Gulf dropped its sponsorship in the spring of 1942, 
due to uncertainties in the oil market caused by World War II. Lady Esther Cosmetics took over sponsorship from 1942 until 1947, and they'll sponsor the show that we'll hear today. Now, this adaptation of Holiday Inn focuses more on the music than the story. It has to condense the plot of a 100-minute movie into a 30-minute radio show. The big stars of this program are, of course, Bing Crosby, who recreates his film role, and Dinah Shore. She takes over Marjorie Reynolds' part from the film. Wally Mayer, who was a very busy radio actor, is heard in Fred Astaire's role of Ted Hanover. The announcer is Truman Bradley, an announcer and actor who later hosted science fiction theater on television in the 1950s. Well, I think I've talked long enough. Now enjoy Holiday Inn, presented on the Screen Guild Theater on January 11th, 1943. Thanks again to Adam, and to everyone out there, happy holidays. Jim Hardy, a man with an idea. Oh, pardon me, Brother Bradley. A man with three ideas. Three? Yep. The first one came to me when Lila Dixon and Ted Hanover and myself, we were doing a song and dance act in a New York nightclub. Uh-huh. I had an idea that I would marry Lila, quit show business, and settle down on a farm in Connecticut. Well, sounds great. How'd the idea work out? Didn't work. Just when I felt sorry for Ted because Lila was marrying me and we'd leave him looking for two new partners... Ted gave Lila a quick fireside chat. Mm-hmm. He sold her on staying in the act with him, and when I walked out to go to the farm, I walked out alone. I've had better ideas, I think. Idea. Well, uh, tell me, Jim, what was the next idea? Holiday Inn. See, it didn't take me too long to learn that a farm was no place for a lazy boy. So I decided to change the farmhouse into a roadside nightclub, open on holidays only, and featuring shows built around each particular holiday. I even had a show planned for uh, Hitler's funeral. Huh? Yeah. Uh, what made you think Hitler would be buried on a holiday? Oh, brother, any day he's buried will be a holiday. <laughs> I wrote special songs for all the holidays, and then I began looking for some talent. I see. I was planning to open on Christmas Eve, but the game was called off on account of no one showing up. Not even performers. Boy, I was really feeling, feeling sorry for myself on Christmas Day, and then Santa Claus brought me Linda Mason. When I saw Linda, I began to get another idea. See, I can still remember the first day when when she came up to the farm and she asked me for a job. Could you use me in your show, Mr. Hardy? Well, I don't know. I might find a spot for you somewhere. What can you do? Oh, I'd dance a little and sing. Gee, I couldn't guarantee any salary at first. Right now, I've got the ledger in an iron lung. Oh, I don't care if you pay me off in eggs. Pay off in eggs? Lady, you've either got me mixed up with Bob Hope or some millionaire. (laughs) Please give me a chance. Well, well, see what you can do here. Uh, You know, this uh, sort of gives me a chance to keep a little promise I made to myself. I swore I was going to sing this song here at the inn tonight. I'm 
dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen Mr. Hardy. I want to tell you, though, there's a, there's a string tied to it. Oh. I was afraid it was too good to be true. Yep. From now on, you've got to start calling me Jim. Well, between this here and that there, Brother B, I want to tell you, Linda and I managed to talk enough musicians and entertainers into taking a chance with us to... Let us open Holiday Inn on New Year's Eve. Mm. Ah, the joint was packed. I was standing in the corner, pounding myself on the back for having hit the jackpot, when the lights went off again all over the world. Just to give everything a nice, ironic touch, Linda was singing Happy Holiday when trouble staggered in. Happy Holiday! Happy Holiday! While the merry bells keep ringing, may your every wish come true. Happy holidays, happy holidays. May the calendar keep ringing happy holidays to you. If you're burdened down with trouble, 
If your nerves are wearing thin, pack your load down the road and come to Holiday Inn. If the traffic noise affects you like a squeaky violin, kick your cares down the stairs. Come on to Holiday Inn. If you can't find someone who will set your heart a whirl, take your car and motor to the home of Boy Meets Girl. If you're laid up with a breakdown, throw away your vitamins. Don't get worse. Just get your hold of your nerves and come to Holiday Inn. Happy Holiday. Happy Holiday. May the calendar keep ringing. Oh, I want to tell you, Brother B, that gal could really sing the socks off. Yes, indeed. Well, no one's going to argue with you about that, Jim, but, uh, well, if I'm not being too obtrusive, let's get back to the trouble you said staggered in the Holiday Inn. Oh, yes, the trouble. Yes, the trouble. Well, it was my former partner and throat cutter... Dick Ted Hanover. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ted staggered in with a compound alcoholic fracture. <laughs> this boy was loaded. There was nothing wrong with his propensity for grabbing my girls. He walked right over to Linda and began dancing with her, and just watching them dance together, I had a hunch that my days with Linda were numbered. The next morning, though, when I went into the room where I had put Ted to sort of sleep it off, I began to think I had a chance to. Uh... Good morning, Ted. Got a little head, huh? Oh. Say, where where am I? You're in Holiday Inn. Well, how did I get here? Who brought me? Haven't you heard about the stork? <laughs> this is no time for your alleged comedy. Lila left me. What? Yeah, I got a wire from her at the theater telling me she was quitting me. Going to marry some Texas millionaire or something. Uh-oh. Uh, then I had a drink. A drink? Brother, you couldn't hit the floor with a handful of hominy. <laughs> Say, uh, I seem to remember dancing with some girl after I got here last night. Girl? Girl? Yeah, yeah. I'm beginning to remember a few things. Gee, she was a perfect partner for me. Now that Lila's left me, I have to get a new partner. And that girl, she's just the girl for me. Oh, no, Ted. I think you're, you're much better off doing a single. You're a born soloist, you know, old boy. Oh, no, 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 Jim, no, sir. I've got to get that girl for a partner. If I could only remember what she looked like. You don't remember? No, no, I... Say, wait a minute. You saw her. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, describe her. Oh, well, uh... I wasn't watching very closely, you know. She was, uh... Oh, I would say she was a medium... medium Medium-built sort of a girl with a medium face. (laughs) She had a... She had a nice evening gown on with a... With a sort of a Balmacan back. You're a great help, you are. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's really nothing at all. Happy to do it for you. Well, just the same, I got a hunch. I'm going to find that girl, and believe me, she's worth waiting for. Hmm, well, where are you going to find her? Uh, right here. I have a hunch she'll be back here for the next holiday. How do you like that for a guy moving in on me, Brother B? Well, Jim, couldn't you have told him she was your girl and asked him to keep away from her? Oh, you can't be that naive. True, old boy. Don't you remember Lila? Ted made a habit of stealing my girls away from Mm. me. My only chance to hang on to Linda was to keep her out of Ted's sight until I had enough cabbage in the bank to ask her to marry me. 
And for the next holiday, Lincoln's birthday, I decided that Linda and I, we're going to work in blackface to keep Ted from discovering her. Well, she wasn't too happy either when I broke the idea to her about it. Jim, I look terrible in that stuff. No, you won't. I don't even know how to put it on. I'll put it on for you. I'm an old boot black, you know. <laughs> well, let's see. Here we go now. Oh, for a month and a half, I've been dreaming about how pretty I was going to look tonight. Well, you'll have plenty of times to be pretty. Say, you know, I was just going to ask you if you'd like to be in the rest of the shows out here. You were? Will you? Will I? I just wish I didn't have to work in that florist shop all the other days in the year to make these few possible. Well, maybe a little later on when we start doing better, we... Well, you can stay out here all the time. Did you hear what you just said? I just got the last part of it then. Was it a proposal? Well, it sure will be when I get a few bucks in the bank. Gosh, you're a strange duck. You don't even give me a chance to say darling and throw my arms around you. Well, you'd better wait until you see my bank book. Well, I guess I'm sort of engaged. Yes, and I guess we'd better sort of start the show, too. Come on, we can't just uh, sing here in the dressing room. On a February morn, a tiny baby boy was born. Abraham, Abraham. And now he's in the Hall of Fame, a most respected gem. And that is why we celebrate this blessed February day. Abraham, Abraham. USA's United Thanks to one whose name was Nancy Hanks. Abraham, Abraham. She gave this land its finest son, whoever went to Washington. Abraham, Abraham. When somebody told him General Grant was drinking every night, he answered, go see if you can, get all my generals tied. That's why Just a moment with the second half of our musical highlight from Holiday Inn. But first, a word from our hostess, Lady Esther. I've received so many letters lately from women living in Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Chicago, and other cities where there are numerous defense plants and where the air is filled with smoke and flying dust. They tell me what a problem it is to keep their skin really clean these days. And many of them tell me they began to notice their skin getting dull and muddy-looking. They began to notice blemishes here and there. But what a difference, they tell me, since they began using Lady Esther for-purpose face cream. Many of them tell me their skin never looked cleaner and fresher, never looked smoother. Now, I wish I could read you these hundreds of enthusiastic letters, because they prove that Lady Esther for-purpose face cream does far more for your skin than just an ordinary cleansing cream. But I want to do more than that. 
I want to send you a generous tube of Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream free so that you can try it on your own skin and see the thrilling results for yourself. After all, what better proof can there be than to see a thing with your own eyes? If your skin is taking a lot of extra punishment these days, especially if it's being exposed more than usual and getting a little dry and rough, a little muddy looking, you'll want to take advantage of my offer. I'll send you enough cream for a whole week's trial, and you can see for yourself how Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream not only thoroughly cleans your skin, but softens it, helps nature refine the pores, and even leaves a smooth, flattering base for powder. Just send me your name and address on the back of a penny postcard. By return mail, you'll receive your gift tube of Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream and the nine different shades of Lady Esther Face Powder. All the address you need is Lady Esther, Chicago. Now we raise the curtain again on Holiday Inn, starring Dinah Shore as Linda Mason and Bing Crosby as Jim Hardy. Uh, go on to the story of Holiday Inn, Jim. Tell me, uh, did the blackface disguise keep Ted from discovering Linda? Yeah, but uh, he came back like gangbusters. He promised <laughs> to come uh, two days later for Valentine's Day, and even I couldn't figure out a legitimate excuse for, for putting Linda in blackface on Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. So I decided to take Cupid right by the bowstrings and set myself solid with Linda. And I had a special song all whipped up for her when she came back for rehearsal. I called it, uh, Be Careful, It's My Heart. I wasn't kidding either. Be careful, it's my heart. It's not my watch. You're holding, it's my heart. It's not the note I sent you that you quickly burned. It's not the book I lent you that you never returned. Remember, it's my heart. The heart with which so willingly I part It's yours to take, to keep or break But please, before you start Be careful It's my heart Jim, from where I'm standing, that certainly should have set you in pretty solid with Linda. Well, I thought it was pretty beamy, you know, nice low key and everything, but nothing happened. While I was singing, (laughs) Ted finally found Linda, and he moved right in. Back in. Oh, he moved in with a crash. He set himself up in business at Holiday Inn, dancing with uh, Linda, you know, in the holiday shows, and dividing the rest of his time between making love to her and trying to sell her on leaving me in Holiday Inn to head for the big time as his dancing partner. Now, I managed to 
Come out of my corner punch, you know. I was swinging, swinging right from China. And on Easter Sunday, I was sure I had Ted on the run when Linda joined me in the, the big Easter parade. In your Easter bonnet With all the frills upon it You'll be the grandest lady In the Easter parade I'll be all in clover And when the look is over We'll be the proudest couple In the Easter on the avenue The photographers will snap us And you'll find that you're In the road really should have eliminated Hanover, huh? Well, I thought he'd take a fast count, but Ted promoted a couple of Hollywood talent scouts to come out to the inn. A couple of boys from Hollywood and signed Linda and himself up. Uh, they got a picture contract, yep. huh? That's what they did in a little epic titled Holiday Inn. Now, wait. You mean they stole your idea and made it into a picture? Oh, no. When Ted stole my girl, I gave him the idea for the picture. And that was the end of everything, huh? Practically. I closed up Holiday Inn after Ted and Linda left, and I just sat around feeling sorry for myself. On Thanksgiving Day, I read in the gossip columns that they were going to be married as soon as they finished the picture. Well, then I was really ready for the river. And then Mamie, my housekeeper, she took me in hand and gave me sort of a chalk talk on chickadees and their chicaneries. Closing up the end and setting around like a jellyfish. Just cause a slipper stole your gal and you ain't got fight enough to get her back. I tried to keep her here, Mamie. What kind of keeping was that? Nothing but tricks. If you hadn't made Miss Linda mad, hiring that driver to keep her away from the end the night them Hollywood scouts was here, and then acting like she couldn't be trusted to stay with you in the face of temptation, she'd still be here. Why, right now, if you went to Hollywood and told Miss Linda how much you love her and misses her, that is, if you told her the way a lady likes to hear it, huh, I'll bet you she'd be the quickest ex-movie star that ever exed. <laughs> well, just, just what do you have in mind? Grab yourself a handful of train and get on out to Hollywood. Well, and then what? See, after all, I can't just walk up to a girl I'm in love with and I haven't seen her in several months and say, uh, Dr. Livingston, I presume, or something. Well, now, see here, Mr. Jim. I can tell you to get out to Hollywood and I can also advise you to take Miss Linda in your arms and crush her. But after that, Mr. Jim, you got to put the pressure on yourself. Yeah. Well, did you take Mamie's advice, Jim? Well, I had nothing to lose, Brad. I, I walked onto the lot where they were making the movie version of Holiday Inn. Just as they were about to shoot the last scene of the picture. Mm. I want to tell you, it gave me a, something of a start. Because that movie set looked exactly like my Connecticut farmhouse. The artificial snow coming down from above, it really took me back to that Christmas day when Linda showed up at Holiday Inn looking for a job. And then Linda began singing White Christmas, and well, I mustered up enough nerve to walk right into the scene. 
And when it was all over, Ted Hanover was looking for a new partner, and Linda and I were off to see a man about a license. to the Screen Guild Theatre Show and thanks to Jack from Down These Mean Streets, the best old-time radio podcast there is. Who's about letting me say something? Who's about letting me say Happy Christmas to your prescribers? Ah, it's my dog, Suki. I've bought you a Christmas present, if you please. Here it is. That was very kind of you, Suki. Who's about my gift being your favourite gift of the year? Well, we'll see. Who's about throwing all the other gifts you've received into the sea? Who's about throwing the family in there too, so we can always be alone together? Oh, thank you, Suki. What a wonderful gift. You like it, don't you, if you please? Yes, I, I love it. Thank you. Why don't you use it, then? Okay, I'll just put it on, then. What does one mean? When one nods one head, yes. But one wants to say no. What does one mean? It's a collection of noises on a shiny disc, if you please. Yes, thank you. Who's about rewarding me by staring into my eyes for seven straight hours? Maybe later. Who's about putting your arms around me and never letting go, if you please? Who's about letting me crawl inside your skin so that we can always be together? I would give all that I own for this to take place. And with that, so ends 2015 for this show. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to being with you all again next year. Who's about my gift being your favourite gift of the year? The next episode of The Secret History of Hollywood will be with you in the next few weeks, so do keep your eyes peeled for bullets, beer and blood. The saga of... 
you'll see. To play us out, the marvelous Mr. Sinatra with a Christmas favorite. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. It just remains for me to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. I do hope you have an amazing holiday. Thank you for making Attaboy Clarence and the Secret History of Hollywood a part of your podcast listening in Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.